0: Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to what I can offer you as a master coach. I can help you to focus on your why with clarity, uniting your passion with your purpose with a plan to create the life you truly desire. Book a free 20-minute coaching call right now via calendly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson forward slash call, and we can take it from there. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Brant Menswar. Welcome to the
1: show. Thank you, Amy, so much for having me.
0: Well, we have been brought together by the wonderful Jeffrey Shaw. He mentioned you in his episode that we did together late last year. And I immediately went out and bought your book. And when I read your book, I was angry. I was cross because it was the book that I should have written. (laughs) And so I reached (laughs) out to you. (laughs) Yeah, I reached out to you and said, Awesome. Well done. I love the book because it is such a great book and it is all about values, something that's really important to me. So I know it's probably not where we were going to start the conversation, but it's just happened. So we might as well kick off there. Why black sheep and and what led you to writing that book?
1: So I was 47 years old before. Somebody actually took the time to explain to me why farmers don't value black sheep like the rest of the flock. And when I learned the truth, um, it just rocked me to my core for a minute because because I've at, at different points in my life, I've felt like a black sheep, not always um. bad reasons, but sometimes you just excel in a particular area you find yourself outpacing um, the industry that you're in 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 a lot of ways, and so you're you're very lonely um, because there isn't a lot, uh, at least for me, there wasn't a lot of people in my network that I could talk to and ask for advice and those sorts of things, and it, it sort of makes you a black sheep by default, and so when I found out that the reason that farmers don't value black sheep is because a black sheep's wool cannot be dyed. I literally said, That's you just gave me my life's goal, <laughs> which is, you know, I want to be that authentic, original creation that I was made to be. And just like a black sheep's wool can't be dyed, we possess, I believe, a flock of these non-negotiable values that no matter how much someone wants to try to twist them or turn them into something that they weren't meant to be, Um, they won't be moved. And so it sort of set me on this path to discover what those non-negotiable values were for me in my life. And then how do I activate these values and live through these values on a daily basis with deliberate intention? And the minute I started doing that, my entire life transformed and um, brought me to the point where I wrote a book about it and, and now have thousands and thousands and thousands of people who have been through the black sheep program that are living the same life.
0: So why 47? Why had nobody explained this to you before then?
1: (laughs) So, you know, when I was, gosh, I think it was 42, my oldest son, Theo, uh, was diagnosed with a rare blood cancer and he needed a bone marrow transplant in order to survive. And so it was a harrowing experience that put us in the hospital for 263 straight days with him. And I I found myself during that journey in a very um, difficult moment where the doctors told us he wasn't going to make it and uh, that I needed to call whoever I needed to call and let them know if they wanted to say their goodbyes, they had to do it now. And so... You know i i was flailing in that moment um just a tornado of emotions and nothing really to hold ground to and and so you know i i made the decision to go back into the room with my wife and his younger brother and you know we tried to search for these words to say goodbye and in that process i ended up calling my younger brother who lives 1500 miles away and told him that he was going to have to say his goodbyes too and so, you know, we we did it. That sort of happened. I didn't quite know what to say. What do you say to your child in a moment like that? And um, my brother decides that night because he can't do anything, he's going to film himself holding up poster boards in this sort of hail mary attempt to find a solution that that we were told didn't exist. And um, he uploads the video to YouTube that night. And within 24 hours, it has 500,000 views. I'm getting calls from doctors all over the world who say, hey, I saw this video. I think I might be able to help. Um, A few of them put their heads together and came up with this crazy treatment plan and it worked. And it saved Theo's life that day. And, you know, years later, I find myself not sleeping well and really going to bed with, with this really, this memory burned into my head, which was, I wonder if he thinks I gave up on him because in that moment where I should have been really deliberate with my intention of what I was going to say, I was just overcome with emotion. And so I sat down to try to figure out what, what are my non-negotiable values? What are the things that I have to figure out so that if I ever have a moment like this again, I'll be better prepared. And so that's exactly what I did. And I went through this very lengthy process of trying to weed out what I thought was real and what wasn't real. And is there evidence that these things are true in my life or not? And after, uh, you know, after a few years, um, really came up with this black sheep concept because I was feeling like a black sheep, like everybody around me was winging it, and I'm trying to be incredibly deliberate with my intention, and they're just looking at me like I'm crazy. And so the more that I sort of honed in on it, um, the better my life became. And fast forward to February of this year, uh, I found myself in the same scenario with my son, Theo. Um, and COVID. So he beat cancer. um, But but COVID ended up taking his life on February twenty seventh, And so that day, um, that last moment, I was able to have the conversation that I wanted to have and say the things that I needed to say, without reserve, and without feeling like I missed an opportunity. And so as tragic as the situation is, I've been able to keep my head up by, by knowing that I did everything that I could do. And I was so prepared um, for that moment as much as possible in a moment like that anyways. And so, you know, it's my life's sort of journey now to help others define these things so that if they ever find themselves in an awful scenario like this, um, as much as I wish it would never happen to them, I don't want them to make a decision that will haunt them for years and years and years. Like it did me.
0: Wow. I, it, you know, I just needed a little pause here because it is such an emotional story. There, and, and I'm really sorry for you know the loss of Theo. It's the thought that you shared. I wonder if he thinks he gave up. You gave up on him, mm-hmm. and and knowing now that he know he didn't he didn't think that. Right, right. You, you had you had that second chance. You know to 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 articulate that and to go through that. What's the message for people who might be repeating that thought over and over right now to themselves?
1: Well, I think it's two things. One is in in my um, research and uh, sort of experience with thousands of people now that have have been through this, um, over 99% of us are winging it on a daily basis. And most of us think we're not very good at winging it, but that's just not true. Um, most of us are actually really adept at at winging it in life. And you know, we we go on these job interviews, we accept these jobs, and when we take these jobs in our in our real life, uh, they come with this list of rules and and even even a handbook to say this is the behavior, this is the things that are expected of you, and we just accept it um, because we need the job. But when it comes to the rules of our own lives, uh, we never do that. We never actually sit down and say, what are the rules that come with being me? And that requires some vulnerability, that requires some deliberate intention to really dive into how do you figure out what these rules are? What are these sort of you know sides of the sandbox, if you will, um, that define where you're going to play and live your life? And so if we never define those, those edges, We end up staying in the middle because it's safe. But the truth is the best things in life um, and, and the best things at work, innovation and best practice and all those things live on the edge. And if you never define the edge, then you're never going to approach it. But if you know exactly where it is, you can get as close as you're comfortable with and start to experience things that you didn't even think were possible once you define these things for you in your life.
0: So, being deliberate with intention, do you choose your why, or does your why evolve?
1: I mean, this is the the crux of of my uh, work and why I disagree with many people in this in this lane. Um, I believe that if we define why as our purpose, uh, then I would say that purpose is something we do not find. But yet everybody tells you, you should, you should be on this search to find your purpose. And whether that's, you know, an Indiana Jones quest for the crystal skull and your purpose, or it's, let's, you know, get in this peyote-filled tent at 130 degrees and wait for a vision to appear. I think that's what we make it out to be, right? Like this this unobtainable thing or this thing that only few of us have the opportunity to discover in the course of our lives. And it's just the biggest lie about purpose that I've ever heard. Um, Purpose, I believe, is something we choose. And so the question becomes, how do you choose that purpose? You know, there's a very uh, famous book called Start With Why by by Simon Sinek, which is a brilliant book and a brilliant man. Um, I wish the book had an asterisk uh, on the cover because, yes, I want you to start with why if your why is right. But if your why is not right, it only leads to disappointment and failure. And so for me, the why comes from the what. You have to define these non-negotiable values because when you define them, you can activate them in your life. And when you activate them, they become your purpose. So for me, my, my flock of black sheep values are creativity, hope, impact, empathy, family, and authenticity. These are the things that I, every decision in my life is filtered through these six things. And I either honor them or I violate them. It's really simple. And so Knowing that's the case, when it came time to choose a purpose, I had to look at those values and incorporate them into a purpose statement for me in my life. So my purpose in life, the reason I get up every day, is to creatively impact others by authentically providing hope. It sounds familiar because it's loaded with these black sheep values. They're in alignment. My what and my why are, are aligned to the point that my mission, the how, I choose to live that out and honor it every day. Um becomes incredibly easy because I'm adaptable when things are in alignment. But when they're misaligned, it becomes an incredible uphill battle and very difficult to try to achieve um, with any sort of of sustainability.
0: And you mentioned there about honoring your values or violating them. Do you ever come to a point where you violate them with purpose, but intentionally?
1: So what I would tell you is that I find myself many times with competing motivators right and so for for me um i sort of subscribe to the belief that there are only four reasons why humans do anything and it's based in um uh, rooted as far back as, as child psychology with autistic children and trying to figure out why they make decisions the way they do, where it's sort of purely on motivation and not, they, they haven't learned enough to know anything else. Um, and it, it's called SEAT, S-E-A-T is the, uh, the model that I follow. And so basically what it says is there's only four reasons that humans do anything. One is sensory, right? We're doing something for a certain feeling that we want to get. Uh, the E is escape. Um, So we're trying to just get out of a scenario and it motivates us to do that. The other is attention. So we're doing something to get the attention that we need. Or the other is tangible, which is I'm doing something for some sort of end result that I want to have happen. Um, When uh, we experience competing motivators, which happens every single day, um, for me, the values come into play as the tiebreaker. So when I have competing motivators and I don't know quite what to do, I have to go to the values to say rather than um, give up my what I want or try to compromise in some way, shape, or form. I flip that on its head because I'm an egotistical male of the highest <laughs> caliber. <laughs> and so for me, um, I don't want to feel like I lose, period right? Whether, whether that's a conversation, whether that's something I'm working with, whether it's with a friend, a colleague, it doesn't really matter. If I come away from a scenario feeling like I lose, I will never stay committed to whatever it was that we decided in that meeting. And so I know that in order for me to stay committed, rather than feeling like I compromised something, can I take a value and amplify it and work through that value so that I stay committed to something that means the most to me, one of these black sheep? and And by doing that, Gosh, my level of commitment to the work at hand is 10x uh, immediately, and I feel like I haven't lost anything by amplifying one of these values that means so much to me.
0: And it's interesting that you're talking about amplifying and amplifying what it is that you have to say. You're surrounded. I can see the the image behind you. You're you're surrounded by instruments. You're surrounded by things that are going to amplify sound. So how how much does your passion and your profession fold into your mission and your vision?
1: Well, a lot, right? So I I have spent, gosh, I spent 20 years in the music business um, unintentionally. (laughs) Uh, You know, I... I went to school uh, went to college to play baseball and it was my uh, I, I expected just to play professionally that was sort of the path that I was on and I got hurt and I needed to find something else to do with my life and it took many many years <laughs> to land on that thing that gave me the same feeling that I would get when I would step on the mound to pitch in a, in a baseball game right there i I, I spent so many years just looking for something to replace how I felt when I stood on that mound due to that sense of control and the sense of competition and accomplishment and all these other sorts of things that I couldn't find in just everyday life or work. And so it took me, gosh, even even 20 years in the music business um, and having enough success to make a living at it, uh, but not enough success that you know who I am, uh, is one of those things that as I sort of got into my early and, and mid 40s, um, started to realize that I didn't want to be uh, the Rolling Stones. You know, I didn't want to be 65, 70 years old touring and with my cane and you know everything else that comes with that. So I needed to find an exit strategy. And uh, that's how I sort of landed at now as a, as a keynote speaker and author and all these other sorts of things that allow me now to uh, use these values to live this life of creativity, which is one of my non-negotiables that uh, just brings me fulfillment on a daily basis.
0: It's so interesting. You just saying that you're searching for that feeling and probably unintentionally, it's something that a lot of people do that they're, they're trying to replicate that energy or that rush that they get in, from one thing to another. So where you, you got that rush on the mound with playing baseball, you were then looking for that same high in a different way. And that has come at, finally. You've, yeah. you've reached that. That's great. Because a lot of people yeah. won't ever experience it first off or even replicate it again in a different way.
1: Agreed. And, and it's something that... If you don't take the time to sort of explore the different ways of which you can achieve these things, um, it just becomes that thing that never happened, right? That thing that could have, should have, would have, that that just seems to escape you for the rest of your life. And I just, I, I couldn't live with myself if that was going to be the case, um, being uh, somebody so invested in purpose and mission and, and values and all those sorts of things, um, you know, I grew up in a incredibly competitive um, athletic environment, right? I I was, uh, I played four or five sports through high school. um, And it was my life, Uh, everything centered around winning. And it wasn't that It was blood and guts the whole time Um, but for me it's only fun when you win (laughs) and so uh, even with my kids you know you know when they started to play sports for me i tried to teach them that it wasn't just about winning it was about wanting to win i don't care if you win or not what i care about is you want to win and if you want to win and you lose we can take so much out of that experience. But if you don't care whether you win or lose, I can't I can't live with that. That's not okay with me. Um and unfortunately I feel like we have an entire generation of of young kids who grew up getting a trophy for no reason and just for participating and now we've sort of created this culture of I showed up every day to work. I expect my my raise every year because I worked the 40 hours and there's no I, there's no sort of semblance of gosh, I earned something, right? I actually went above and beyond what was asked of me. And because of that, I'm being rewarded. That concept is is foreign to them. And so, you know, with my kids, especially, uh, they they are both very, very competitive, um, whether it was playing Scrabble or, or school. And, you know, my youngest graduated high school first in his class and full ride and uh, into college. And he's uh, gonna be a computer programmer. And so, you know, He gets upset when he loses, but it's one of those deals that he really cares. And so that to me was, uh, is probably the happiest thing that I instilled in him. Um, He's not necessarily a sore loser per se, um, but he doesn't like it when he loses and that's okay with me.
0: So we started this conversation saying that you felt like a black sheep and that you were outpacing industry and that you had no one to turn to or talk to for advice now you realize that you are still a black sheep but a very different type of black sheep. Do you have people now who you can turn to for advice?
1: yeah the interesting thing about embracing these values and really using them on a daily basis is black sheep recognize black sheep right And so um, the really interesting thing for me, you know part of the story culmination in the book is that while farmers don't value black sheep like they do, white sheep, they still value black sheep, but in a very different way, right? And so they keep one black sheep for every hundred white sheep in their care as a marker. So every morning a sheep farmer wakes up and looks out over his flock. And if he has 500 sheep in his care, he looks for five black sheep. It's their ability to stand out from the crowd that gets the farmer's first look every single day. If he doesn't see the five black sheep, he knows there's something wrong. It's famine, it's wolves, it's something he needs to go and check. But if he tried to look uh, and and discern the 500 sheep that look exactly the same, um, he could lose dozens and dozens before he realizes there's a problem. And so, in that same light, when you live through these black sheep values, they're designed to be witnessed and seen and felt and experienced. you get everybody's first look. And when you get everybody's first look, you end up finding people who are also living the same way with deliberate intention. And that has allowed me to continue to grow and expand and find people now finally who are where I want to be and gives me something to shoot for and have these people in my network, my sort of inner circle that um, have been through what, I've, what I'm going through currently and um, are there to, to guide me in some way, shape or form.
0: And you mentioned that 99% of us are winging it. Are those 99% also oblivious to their values?
1: So I'm not going to say they're oblivious. Um, I think they they have uh, an idea of what matters most to them. So, you know, when we, when I released the book, we created an assessment, an online assessment that goes with it. And, um, you know, when you go, it's dot findyourblacksheep.com or at com. you can go and take this, this assessment. And when you when you go, what the assessment does is it presents you with uh, about 125 commonly held personal core values, and it says, "Listen, in a knee jerk reaction, just read through these values. If the values resonate with you, go ahead and circle them, select them, whatever you're going to do." And so, what we know now, after you know 6,000 plus people have taken this um, since October. Uh, We know that the average person selects at least 30 of these values that are really important to them. So to that point, I would tell you that everybody knows um, and uh, or has an idea of the things that are really important to them. But 30 things that are really important are never going to be fulfilled on a daily basis. So we have to pull apart non-negotiables from really important. And, And that's difficult. And that's where people don't do the work right and so they they live their lives with these 30 things they've told themselves are really important that swirl around them on a daily basis and every decision they have to make it's like trying to you know grab an answer in a tornado somewhere um and hopefully you grab the right thing uh, as opposed to doing the work, weeding down to five things that you can honor with deliberate intention on a daily basis. And then I don't have to be reaching into a tornado and risk my life every time I have to make a decision. Um, And so that's sort of the the way in which I teach this process and which gives people a chance to understand the difference between non-negotiable and really important. You know, I have a lot of people, especially when I do leadership conferences and we do this assessment as, as pre-work. Um, wouldn't you know that one of the top five shared values at a leadership conference is leadership? <laughs> <laughs> and I always laugh about that because I'm like, no duh. You think that like the teacher doesn't realize that you're just giving the answer that you think everybody wants to see? But my my response is this: here's the easiest way to tell the difference between negotiable, a non-negotiable value and something that's really important. For everyone that puts leadership, I ask one question. Have you ever attended a meeting that you didn't lead? If the answer is yes, then it is not a non-negotiable value, period. Because non-negotiable means no means you won't do it because it violates the things that matter most to you. And so if you uh, say leadership is one of your non-negotiable values and you attend meetings all the time that you are not leading, then it is not a non-negotiable. I'm not arguing it's not incredibly important to you because it is, but don't confuse non-negotiable with really important. We pretend like they're you know, an inch apart from each other, but they're a mile apart from each other. You just have to do the work to figure it out.
0: And it's interesting that you talk about going to conferences and talking from a business perspective, because how important are values to a business?
1: Oh, incredibly important because most of the of the lipstick values they have in their website are, are BS. Um, because it's not just about saying what matters most to you. You have to prove it. And that's the same thing when we were doing personal development stuff. You can tell me that these are your black sheet values, but if there is no evidence in your life on a daily basis that these exist organically, you will never convince me that they are one of your non-negotiables. And in the same light, if you uh, as a company have these published values that you say are the things that drive this organization and people witness things that that counter that on a daily basis, um, it's never going to resonate. It's never going to connect in the way that you want it to. And in fact, it's it's gonna have the exact opposite if you are not deliberate with your intention to allow people to experience the values that you say are what drive the organization. then they're gonna question everything. And the one thing they'll sa- they'll say to themselves as well, if you don't, as an organization, if you don't care about the things that you are telling everybody you care about, you're certainly not gonna care about me and what I care about. And that leads to people leaving and turnover and all the other sorts of things that come with uh, a misalignment of values.
0: And for people who are looking to maybe work for a company or, or find employment somewhere, taking your values to that meeting, to that employment, to, to to align yourself with your values with a company from the start and sharing what they are, you're going to find that you are likely to stay with that company for longer and be more effective in that business.
1: And, and you show up, Um, with a leg up on everybody else interviewing for that job, if you know what your non-negotiables are and you can do some research and figure out what the values of the organization is, in in that meeting, in that interview, you can give examples of how you would use what matters most to you to amplify what matters most to them. If they don't have published values, you should be asking that organization. I noticed that you don't have any published values on your website, do they exist in the company handbook? Is there something you could share with me? Um, Because part of my everyday job is to align what matters most to me to what matters most to you. And if I don't know what that is, um, it will never happen on purpose. It will happen on accident. It will happen uh, with luck or by mistake, uh, but it won't happen on purpose. And I choose to live my life on purpose.
0: So what matters most to you right now, Brandt?
1: For me, it's, it's activating these values. Um, you know, since, since Theo passed, uh, we all deal with grief in different ways. And I have found, uh, the way that I've been able to deal with it is, is to dive into work headfirst, um, work too long, too many hours, um, with no breaks and, uh, just to keep myself distracted. But what I've discovered in this process is, um, what I what I'm calling now grief fueled creativity. And in at least in my experience, what I've what I found is that my uh, desire to avoid how I'm feeling um, or dealing with these really difficult emotions um, has fueled my creativity and focus in that lane. uh, Unlike anything I've ever experienced in my life. And and you know before we before we jumped on here we talked about you know what what am I doing right now, um, and and the answer to that is uh, I've spent the last four months with my uh, my business partner Jim Knight who is uh, another amazing human ran uh, training at Hard Rock he was the director of learning and development at Hard Rock International for twenty plus years and really responsible for for most of what we know as uh, Hard Rock's culture. Um, was fostered by him and his team. And we've been working on an app uh, because we're both authors and we both wanted to find a way to put books into readers' hands that were you know, a targeted audience and just the, the traditional way of marketing books is antiquated and doesn't account for today's connection-based platforms or anything like that at all. And so because I defined what my values are and I've been deliberate to work through them to find these creative solutions, these innovations that don't exist. Uh, We have created um, a discovery marketing platform for books that uses the psychology and functionality of a dating app, but rather than matching people with people, we match people with books. And so um, it launches September 30th. It's called Bookie Call. And the idea of of a bookie call is that just like a dating app, it functions exactly the same. You can jump on, create your profile and you'll get matches sent to you um, that you can browse through based on what you say you read and like, and you see a picture of the book. You have a little tease. We have a staff of 14 writers that do nothing but create and craft an innovative book review in the form of a dating profile. So we took nine questions from actual dating profiles and we asked the book to answer them. And we include the review of the book in those answers. And so for the same psychological reasons that you would say yes to going on a date with someone, you are saying yes to actually read a book. And so we are incredibly, incredibly excited about this. It's a huge launch happening September 30th. And, um, it is the physical manifestation of my black sheep values and and that is uh what's kept me going uh, since february and what continues to sort of fuel my work here it would have never happened if i didn't uh, or wouldn't have defined these values in my life because things at this level this this next level of creativity this next level of innovation they don't happen um if you don't have these things defined they just don't um if you rely on on, on luck or accidents um it's it's like a unicorn you know it happens once in a blue moon but if you want them to happen consistently and give yourself the best chance to continue to drive those sorts of things um then you have to be really deliberate about how you're doing it and so that's what it's been for the last four months and and um we're just super excited to get this into everybody's hands
0: well, by the time this episode is out, it will have already have launched. So, congratulations on the launch! I hear it yes. went really well.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Tell me, is it is it a free app or is it a paid app? How does it work?
1: It's a free app. It is. Um, it, it comes out on uh, on iOS first, and then it will be available um, on Android. Both will be available by September thirtieth. It actually technically uh, came out this morning on iOS. Um, So it's a very quiet launch for a couple of weeks here so we can debug anything that we are unaware of at this moment, Uh, but we will let the world know that it exists on September 30th. And the reason it's called Bookie Call, which I think is just hysterical, right? It's part of that irreverent creativity um, is because twice a week in the middle of the night, you get a Bookie Call from the app. It sends you a DM that says you up, Uh, and then it gives you this little tease Uh, which is sort of a 150 character description from the book asking you if you want a a book up. (laughs) And so you click a button and it brings you to the profile and you can decide if you want to swipe right or swipe left on this book and take it on a date. Um, But that is uh, uh, why we decided to call it bookie call. Um, it has a as as kitschy as the name is. The experience is so elevated; it feels like a speakeasy um, in the in the design and flow of the app. Um, and so that elevated experience really allows for the kitschiness and fun we're going to have with the name and and the commercials and everything else that are coming out to support it.
0: Well, I think it's just fabulous, and uh, I'm going to have to explain to my husband why I'm ignoring him from now on. <laughs>
1: You can't I, get lost I, I... <laughs> for a few hours on this app. I promise you.
0: I, I can. I can understand that. I, I absolutely. I'm so looking forward to to booking up now. Going on. Yes. Forward. So t- tell me, with this, is it uh, all books? Are they going to be available on there? Or have you? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so this is a huge amount of tech that you've you've instilled here.
1: It, it is. It's. It's. So I'll tell you this. It's a curated library. So we're, we are capping the books in the library at five thousand books. Yeah. And the reason that we're doing that is, you know. So Amazon has 8 million books in their library and um, they upload 8,000 books a day. So we decided to cap this at 5,000. And because of that, as an author, you have hundred and sixty thousand percent better chance of your book being matched to a reader uh, because we are curating these to make sure they they match the quality and the, um, you know, they're available in in a variety of formats. So when you when you swipe right on a book, um, you get this DM that says. Uh, you know, Oh my God, thank you so much for matching. I can't believe this. So you want to, you know, you have this AI conversation with the book and it's like, you know, do you want to meet up? Um, And it says, let's get physical, let's get digital or let's get audio and you click a button and you can buy either the physical, the ebook or the audio book right through the app. Um, And so it's, we've, we've tried to take that. The funny thing was everybody that is developing this app, none of us have ever been on a dating app. (laughs) So, (laughs) of <laughs> those things that were like i'm sitting there watching youtube of people swiping on tinder just so i can try to figure out how these apps work and make sure that it, it's it's similar in function but um it's been the, just the most fun um the best distraction possible for me and um we have we have big big hopes that this is going to revolutionize how people choose books and you know, we did this study that said. Um, We surveyed 1,100 adults and 47% of them said they read their last book based on a recommendation of a a family member or or a really good friend. Um, And I would make the argument that this app will know you better than both um, because when you start to use it and set the parameters, um, it knows exactly what you're looking for. And so um, it's like having your best friend give you a book recommendation, which is sort of the goal that we had established.
0: And I'm glad you shared there that you had to go on to YouTube to understand because I didn't know whether swipe <laughs> swipe right was a good thing or not, you know, <laughs> until you just said exactly. Exactly. Is it fiction?
1: Yes. Non-fiction? Both. Yep. It's both. So um it concludes both fiction, non-fiction. There are 10 uh subcategories for each. So in fiction, you have things like contemporary and romance and thriller and horror and mystery and all those sorts of things. And for um nonfiction, you have everything from um you know, biographies, self-help, business, finance, you know, you name it, it sort of goes down uh, the list there as well. They're basically the top 20 categories of book sales in the last uh, year or so is, is where we tried to focus the uh, the content in, in the app. So it will be
0: a moving list of where things that sort of aren't working well, aren't being matched, they'll just get out and then you will be some new ones come in.
1: It's a rolling library. So every six months, the library changes um, because the life expectancy of a book is about six months. And so that's sort of what we're doing. We are uh, as, as things come into the library, things roll out of the library um, every six months. And so you continually are getting fresh new things um, that are that are sent to you. You know, interesting enough, Uh, almost 70% of books sold last year were back catalog books, right? So they weren't new books that came out, they were old books. And so this app helps shine the light on books that got overlooked for whatever particular reason, right? So for every, you know, Stephen King or Simon Sinek that, that, or Brene Brown that comes out and everybody knows the book is out, there are dozens of fantastic books that never break through Um, you know, the clutter. And so this is a way for us to shine a light on those books to help publishers get rid of some of the 1000s of books sitting in a warehouse somewhere that will never go anywhere or do anything. So rather than have a bonfire, we thought let's find a, a creative way to help them move some of these books.
0: Well, I think it's a fantastic idea. And I was so excited. I didn't even know that this was a thing. So thank you for sharing it with us. Yeah, no, you're the only
1: (laughs) honestly, you're the first person we just got off of all of our NDAs that we had to sign. So you're the first person that we have had this discussion with.
0: Oh, I'm so excited. So I might even have a little sneak look if I'm allowed to later. Yes,
1: absolutely.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Under the covers with my bookie call. <laughs>
1: yeah, You're starting to see some of how we're going to advertise this. Right? I can
0: see it. I can see it. It's exciting. You it's can, great. You
1: can count on a sure thing, right? All the good ones are still available. There's so many puns that come with an app called bookie call. It's just so fun. Oh my
0: God. It's brilliant. <laughs> so, you mentioned earlier, findyourblacksheet.com and brantmanzoir.com. That's how mm-hmm. people can get in contact with you. Anywhere else that you're, you're on? Are you on Instagram, Twitter? Yes. Where, where can every, people find you?
1: Every possible social media site on the planet is just at brantmanzoir.com. Uh, just at brantmanzoir is my handle. Uh, you will find me there, uh, I'm sure. I'm pretty active on Instagram um, uh, more than anywhere. And so it's just it's easier for me to share my life through through there.
0: And have you made it to TikTok yet or not quite there?
1: TikTok is ruining my life currently, um, so we will be using TikTok uh, a lot to promote this new app. And um, yes, I lose at least an hour a day of my life to TikTok at the moment. And honestly, it's not stupid dance videos. I'm learning how to shuck corn in the in a new way. I'm learning how to do these incredible things that I still I'm just blown away by by these little hacks that I'm getting uh, by watching TikTok. So yes, it is it is a disruptor for sure in in my life. Right right now
0: well it seems it seems perfect for you seeing as you are the, the singer that you are to be able to use that platform
1: yeah i can't i can't wait um we've got a lot of fun things planned for it you know the way we're promoting this is boo from bookie call so the app um logo is a. Uh, uh, Derby hat with a monocle and a mustache that that is made of a of an open book and so uh, boo from bookie call is who guides you through the process, so we have a daily podcast as well that will be accompanying the app where. um, It's just a six minute book review uh, where people read the profile and you can sort of hear about it and decide whether or not you want to take a look and see if that book is some something you want to um, dive into in the future so um, on on. Uh, September 30th, you're going to see about 150 different influencers uh, with boo costumes, um, sort of like Thomas Crown Affair. And uh, they will be taking over the internet um, as you as you get to know what Bookie Call is and how it works.
0: Well, fantastic. So thank you so much for sharing. It's been an incredible journey, understanding more about what a black sheep really is and and how authentic a black sheep is in its own right. So thank you for that. I'm so delighted that we finally got this episode recorded. Me Thank too. you for coming on the show. It's been a, r- a real delight. How would you like to close out the show today,
1: Rant? So the one thing about values that that people need to know is that values exist in a hierarchy. And so even when you say, here are my five non-negotiable values, those five non-negotiables still exist in a hierarchy. And at the very top of of my values chain is hope. There is nothing that matters more to me than hope and it, and it leads the pack of, of all the things that are uh, the things that matter most to me. And so with that in mind, I just want people to to understand that no matter how successful they've been or unsuccessful they've been. Um, Doing this work and defining these non-negotiables in your life will change what's possible for you in the best way possible. It will lower your stress levels, it will show you ways how to become more successful, whether that's at work, in a relationship, um, in in a partnership, it doesn't really matter. When you define what matters most, it doesn't just matter for you, it matters to everybody around you and who you come in contact with. And so take the time, please to do this work and define these things in your life. Because when you do, you make the world a better place, not just for you, but for all of us. So please, please, please grab onto some hope, do a little bit of work and define these things. And when you do, we all will thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Focus on Why with me, Amy Rowlandson. To show your appreciation and to help other listeners understand what value you have received from tuning in today, please leave me an Apple Podcast five-star review. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the inspiring, uplifting and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.